The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Too often we rely solely or primarily on conventional medicine to treat symptoms and disease. But these can mask the problems, so we never get to the root cause of the disease. There are better choices. Welcome to Generation Regeneration with your host, Sandra Guy Malhotra. Conventional medicine does play an important role in effective treatment, but even more important are the daily lifestyle, food, and spiritual choices we make. Now, here is Sandra Guy Malhotra. Welcome, everyone, to Generation Regeneration. I'm Sandra Malhotra, your host. Thank you for joining me, whether it be live or on demand. Our goal with the show is to provide information and support for those who want to take ownership of their health and regenerate their bodies, minds, spirits, and maybe even change the world while they're at it. And speaking of changing the world, our guest today is Diane Hatz, who has worked at sustainable food and farming nonprofits for over 15 years. Her current endeavors include being the founder and executive director of nonprofit Change Food and the organizer and curator of the annual TEDx Manhattan Conference entitled Changing the Way We Eat. Diane is passionate about improving our food supply through outreach and education. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you for having me, Sandra. It's great to have you here because I as well am passionate about this cause because we are not on a sustainable trajectory in so many ways. The situation was summed up beautifully in a piece written by author and activist Marianne Williamson entitled A Quarter to Midnight. She wrote, It concerns me greatly, as it concerns millions of others around the world, that as a species we're indulging in such irresponsible behavior toward our earth, our food supply, our children, and our future. It's heartbreaking how we're serving the economic benefit of a few at the expense of potentially immeasurable suffering on the part of so many. This is not simply the 11th hour, it's a quarter to midnight, and we must repudiate the madness in every way we can. I love that. She summed up eloquently how serious our situation is. And clearly, we have a lot of work to do to repudiate the madness. And one thing that Diane does so well is use creativity, intelligence, and humor to get her very sane message across. Because let's face it, just focusing on the doom and gloom is depressing for the messenger and the audience and will not get people excited about embracing change. So Diane, I like to ask our guests about their personal journey to a career in a field which emphasizes health, wellness, and sustainability. Sometimes it's a health scare, like our guests last week, Nathan Phillips and Yancey Wright. And sometimes it's just an inner knowing that you need to change paths. I believe yours involved a transition from the music business by following your inner guidance to do something new. Can you elaborate on that? Sure. Thanks again, Sandra. Um, I have to admit, I can't say that I followed my inner voice, but I got out of my own way and let the universe take its course. Okay. 
I was working in the corporate music industry, and everything started feeling empty and hollow. Trust me, the entertainment industry is much more glamorous on the outside. Mm. So it felt like we were trying to sell music to people so a huge company could make more money. So I started asking myself why, and it just ended up feeling wrong. So I got to a point where I just had to get out. So I had worked in the music industry for about 10 years, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was rusty with interviewing, so I thought I'd practice. So I sent out a resume for a little ad in the New York Times for a piece of environmental nonprofit. And the organization was just getting off the ground. And even though I didn't really understand what they were trying to do, I mean, at that point, I didn't even know what a nonprofit was. But it felt right. So I didn't overthink it, and I took the job, and I just had never looked back. Yeah, that's interesting that you said that it, it felt right. So um, you were you were following the direction that the universe was leading you in, it sounds like. Exactly. So when we chatted before, you also mentioned that you see your work in the nonprofit area, specifically regarding food and sustainability, as a spiritual endeavor as well. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I believe that we're all interconnected, and not just people, but people, animals, and the planet, and I'm committed to helping change the world for the better, and I'm so lucky because I don't have a job. I feel like I have a a life or a calling. When I wake up in the morning, I don't go and sit at my computer. I go and do my part to change the world. I mean, I might be doing it at my computer that day, but it doesn't feel like work. It's passion. It's joy. So my desire to do good and help change things for the better is my spiritual path. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way with the work that I'm doing now also. It, it doesn't feel like a job. It's just living life in a way that I love to live it. And that's a wonderful place amazing? to find yourself. Isn't it amazing when that happens? <laughs> it is. Yeah, although you sometimes you have to overcome a lot of fear to get to this point because probably a lot of folks out there may have a desire to change or follow a different path, but you do also have to trust that if you do something perhaps unconventional, that the universe won't let you down if you do that. Yes, exactly. All right. So let's now talk about your nonprofit Change Food, which you founded in 2013. Can you go ahead and describe its mission and challenges? Sure. So the mission of Change Food is to raise awareness and educate consumers about our corporate food system, which most people know is falling apart. We also provide and promote tools and resources that motivate people toward eating healthy, delicious, and sustainable food. Um, One of our challenges, probably our biggest, and every nonprofit has this challenge, is funding. Change Food is me and a couple part-time people, so I'm always looking for creative ways um, to raise funds so I can hire proper staff and start implementing my ideas. And we're young. Well, I'm not worried about it. I, I, I really, like we just said, the universe will provide. It's just a matter of putting your mind to it and just working toward the goal. So I'm actively pursuing that. Another challenge, I consider it an internal one, um, I find that a lot of groups in the nonprofit world work within their own silos, and there's just now starting to be an awakening where people are understanding we need to work together more closely. So I'm I'm trying to 
work with other groups and to share resources. Yeah, that makes good sense. And you are a relatively young organization, like you mentioned, founded in 2013. But what accomplishments are you most proud of at this point? My biggest accomplishment is obviously TEDx Manhattan. Now, TEDx Manhattan started, I had an institute. Even though Change Food is a year and a half old, I've been working for over 15 years in the sustainable food movement. So TEDx Manhattan started when I had an institute and I carried it with me. It's Ken Koch, who's the founder of the Environmental Working Group, has said that TEDx Manhattan has changed the food movement. So I've been told it had a very big impact on people in the food system. Um, what we try to do is to be a microphone and an amplifier and to get people and issues out to the broader public. So we've been successful with that. That's really the biggest thing that people might know. We have a lot of things in the works right now that we're getting ready to launch. Can you give us some previews about what those are? Sure. Our biggest thing, which I can't talk about too much, is there is now interest in me organizing some food festivals in other parts of the country. So there's nothing definite. There's not a place yet. But I'm just starting to spec out a proposal. Um, And what I want to do is I'm calling it Woodstock Meets Slow Food Nation. If people remember Slow Food Nation in San Francisco in 2008. Um, another thing we're doing is to change food video library. I'm collecting the best short length video on sustainable food and farming, not just TEDx Manhattan, but a lot of other TEDx's. I think there's over 10,000, there's over 10,000 events. Um, other TEDx's every now and then have talks on food and farming, TED proper. There are other conferences that are starting to do very professional films. Anna LaPay, who some people might know, she's very big in the food movement, has the Real Food Media Project. We're including their films. So people will be able to come to the site, search on a topic like health, antibiotics, GMO, anything that they want, and they'll get all the related videos. And then along with that, they can get resources and know who's working on issues, lesson plans, discussion guides. So trying to make it a one-stop shop where someone can go get the information they need, and not just educate themselves, but have like a dinner party or a video club and then educate other people in their area. That's wonderful. Yeah, one thing that's very impressive about the way you run Change Food and TEDx Manhattan is how you use social media so well. Uh, you're on all the big social media sites, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, I see postings from you. Also for TEDx Manhattan, which we'll start talking about momentarily, you also live stream, you help people organize viewing parties. So you're really great at just getting the word out at a grassroots level and getting people involved. And it sounds like this, uh, the next initiatives that you have for Change Food will also lower the barrier just for folks to get information on all of these topics in one place and just be able to educate themselves and change their lifestyles accordingly. Yes. One so. of the things we're trying to do is I've, I've realized through all these emails I'm getting from people who want to volunteer, like people who have careers but who want to do something on the side and they want to get involved with the food system and they don't know what to do. So I call them connectors. So I'm trying to provide them with tools and resources so they can go into their local area and put on their own small events. It could be a small dinner party. It could be a large event in a theater. 
That's that's great. Okay. And that's a wonderful introduction to change food. And what we will talk about on the other side of the break is your signature event, TEDx Manhattan. We'll get into all of those details. And that brings us to our first break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And we're talking to Diane Hatz about her work providing education and awareness about sustainable food and farming practices. Thank you so much for joining us and stay tuned to learn more about this important topic. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we're talking to Diane Hatz, founder and executive director of nonprofit Change Food. And right before the break, we started talking about the annual event that she organizes called TEDx Manhattan, entitled Changing the Way We Eat. Now, Diane, let's spend this segment discussing the conference in some detail because it is a very unique collection of speakers. It occurs every year, generally in the March timeframe, and this year it occurs on March 7th. And this conference is just a great example of how you get your message across in a positive and inspiring way. So can you go ahead and give us a preview of the speakers that will participate this year? Sure. Uh, The first thing... I just have to say this. I have certain rules from TED, and TED's the main 
organization behind the TEDx thing. So I, Diane Hap, organized TEDx Manhattan, Change Food is the lead sponsor. I just want to make sure people are clear on that so I don't have any problems. Okay. Um, now, with regard to speakers, we have a really exciting lineup this year. This is our fifth event, and I think there's 15 at this point, so I'll, I'll give a couple. I'll just stop me if it's too much. Um, Ali Partovi is an angel investor. He's an original investor in, like, Facebook and Dropbox. He's committed the rest of his career and possibly his life to helping fix and change the food system. So he's going to talk about the real reason why organic food costs more, and it's not because it's more expensive to produce. And if people want to know what the, what the answer to the question is, they're going to have to tune in and listen to his talk. That sounds like a good one. Yes, I'm really looking forward to that. The, another speaker we have is Danielle Nirenberg. She is the president and co-founder of Food Tank, which is another relatively new organization, but she has exploded onto the scene and is extremely popular. She's going to talk about women farmers here and in developing countries, and she's going to explain why our food system is completely destroyed and ruined without women farmers. And it's something that people really don't understand. People don't understand how important women are to the food system and the farming part of the food system, not just cooking it. Um, probably our most, our most popular name is Danny Meyer. He's the CEO and founder of the Union Square Hospitality Group. He has a Shake Shack is his biggest um, thing right now. So we're still confirming his talk. I just spoke with him yesterday, but we're looking at him talking about his 30 years in the restaurant industry and how food is changing because of the food movement and this, this push now toward healthier eating and sourcing locally. It's going to be a really amazing talk. Um, we also have a hip-hop artist. DJ Kavum, so he raps about food and educates children through hip-hop. Um, I'm fascinated. He's going to perform for us. His wife, Alchemia Earth, is going to DJ. She, she's our DJ for the whole day. Now, somehow he raps. They have a turntable and a Vitamix blender. And it all <laughs> works. I know. And apparently it all works. So that's really something to tune into. Um, another thing that's going to be extremely interesting is Henry Hargreaves. He's a phenomenal photographer, and he does photography with food. Um, he's not so much changing the food system as he's just trying to make people aware. So he's somebody really worth checking out, but he's interested in doomsday preppers. So he's really interested in people that think the world's coming to an end, and they all know that the food system is going to fall apart if this happens. So they're all storing food, they're growing food. There are all these different things people are doing. So he's going to go out and do a photo series of these people and actually present it to Manhattan. It's an original new installation for him. So we're very excited about that. We also have Joel Berg. He's the executive director of the New York City Coalition Against Hunger. He worked in the White House for a while, I think in the Clinton administration, um, and he's devoted his life to ending hunger. So he believes the only real way to end hunger in the U.S. is to build a national movement and to force the government to pass policies that we need. So he's going to go into detail about that. Kendra Kimbrasco, 
She's a farmer in Oregon. She's also the CEO of the Socially Responsible Agriculture Project. Her talk is going to be really interesting. She She's an advocate for good food, but she's someone who's trying to stop the influx of factory farming, and she's going to talk about why we have more and more factory farms bringing up in this country, yet the food movement and the whole local sustainable movement is bigger than ever. There's a disconnect between the people on the ground fighting factory farms and people, you know, usually on both coasts who are promoting local food. So her talk is not to be done. Um, we have Marcel Van Oyen. He's the executive director of the Green Market and Grow NYC. So they're all the farmers markets here in New York City. He's going to be talking about the next evolution of farmers markets, and he's going to talk about um, food distribution and how farmers can get food to wholesalers. Um, the next person we have is Michelle Merkel. She's a lawyer, and she works at Food and Water Watch. The way our laws are set up, they benefit agribusiness and large corporations. So she's going to talk about how that's happened and what's happening and things that people can do to try to help change the system. And we also have Anine Steele. He is the founder of the Real Food Challenge. He's going to be speaking about food justice and we're honing in on his exact focus, so we're not 100% there yet. Um, next, we have Robert Graham, Dr. Robert Graham. He is an MD at Lenox Hill Hospital here in New York City. He actually has started a farm on the roof of the hospital, and he is teaching other doctors about the, the benefits and the health benefits of food. So That is awesome. I, I don't know if people know, but when, when doctors are being trained, they're not taught about nutrition and food and how food can help prevent disease. He's changing that, so he's going to talk about that. Stephanie Sachs is a nutritionist, and she's an author. She just published a book called what the fork are you eating? She's going to talk about simple things we all can do to make a big difference in our lives when it comes to eating healthier and finding the right food. And then we have Stephen Riley. Stephen Riley is the founder of Seed Capital Kentucky. Um, he's a huge sustainable food advocate. He's from Louisville, Kentucky. He's involved with a multi, multi, multi-million dollar project down there to not just bring local food to people in the Louisville area, but he's really focused on economic development and finding jobs for people. So he's combining the, the local food movement with the push for more jobs for people. Um, we also have one empty slot, and that's the TEDx Manhattan Award. So one person will actually get a chance, one person from a group will get a chance to speak on stage. Dana Cohen, who's the editor-in-chief of Food and Wine, is going to be presenting the award. And I'm hoping I can get her to talk for a couple minutes about a topic of her choice. And then for Tom Colicchio fans, I just want everyone to know that Tom will be back. He's giving an update. And he is also going to be introducing The Matrix, which is a film that is relaunching at the event. That's I think an that's awesome lineup. That's absolutely awesome. Yet you're looking at so many different aspects of the food supply. And I can tell you from watching many of the presentations last year, it's entertaining. I mean, the, the, the information is definitely there, the education. 
but there's not a dull moment. And it sounds like with a wrapper with a Vitamix, that will be no different this year. <laughs> It'll be. That and sounds I apologize, great. Sandra, I apologize. I missed one person and I don't want to leave one speaker out. Oh, please. It's Nikiko Masamoto. She's a farmer. She's from Masamoto Family Farm in California. She's a slam poet and a farmer. She's going to talk about, her heritage is Japanese, but she's Japanese-American. She's going to talk about the history of Japanese-American farmers and also her aha moment because she wasn't going to be a farmer. And I think she was in college or she was at a job, but she just one day had this aha moment and realized she, farming was in her blood and went back, went back to the farm. Wonderful. I can't wait for this conference. So let's spend a moment uh, telling folks if they're not in Manhattan and cannot see it in person, how to tune in. Sure. We have viewing parties that are being set up all around the country. I just got a request from Cyprus. Um, that's our first international international. We have a couple in Canada already, but we have we have, I'm trying to think of the states, we have a lot of New York, we have California, we have Colorado, Oregon, Illinois, Indiana, and I could go on and on about the states that have already signed up for viewing parties. You can also watch it from your own computer. We're, we're encouraging people to go to TEDxManhattan.org and click on the viewing parties link and you'll get all the options. You can host one. You can just watch it at home. I mean, we really encourage people to invite a couple friends over, have a potluck, you know, see what you can cook with local seasonal ingredients from your area. Have people come over and then have a discussion about the talks while they're happening. That's the best way to watch it. But if you are in your own, it's still a phenomenal way to spend the day. It sure is. I, I would agree with that. Okay, that was a wonderful introduction to the speakers who are going to occur this year. And it sounds like it's going to be a lot of really fascinating talks and just informative for anyone who wants to become more aware of what's going on with our food supply, the farming, the legal aspects, nonprofit aspects. Uh, wonderful. So let's go ahead and get ready for our next break. And when we come back, let's dive into the Matrix films, which are just fantastic. And just another example of how you use creativity to get across a very serious message. And that brings us to our next short break. This is your host for Generation Regeneration, Sandra Malhotra. And we're talking about changing the way we eat with Change Food founder and executive director, Diane Hatz. Stay tuned to learn more about her work. Thank you very much. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called holdtreatment.com. 
As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra, and today we're talking to Diane Hatz, founder and executive director of nonprofit Change Food. Prior to the break, Diane introduced the amazing speaker lineup that she has for the March 7th TEDx Manhattan Conference. And I think that conference is just a wonderful example of how she brings people together to educate about the food supply and inspire change. And another wonderful example of how she has used creativity and intelligence to discuss very serious topics is the Matrix film series. That's spelled M-E-A-T-R-I-X. And there's a one, a two, and a two and a half. And what these are a parody of the Matrix films. And they're so well done and so humorous. Now, Diane, can you give us an introduction as to what these films are about specifically and the points that you wanted to convey? Sure. So The Matrix, it's a cartoon about factory farming. Um, It stars a cow, a pig, and a chicken. And if you've watched The Matrix films, you'll understand why the cow is Mufius, the pig is Leo, and Chickadee is the chicken. What they do basically is they educate people about factory farming. So they go on an adventure, um, and during it, you learn about the problems with our food system. The thing that's really crazy about the Matrix is it came out in 2003, and what a lot of people don't remember is there was no Facebook, there was no YouTube, there was no Twitter, there was no Flickr. Like, social media didn't exist back then. So people started emailing it from address book to address book to address book. And our servers crashed. We lost count after 20 million people. It's now in 30 different languages. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a four-and-a-half-minute animated short about factory farming that if you haven't seen, I highly recommend that you see it. And the great thing is this is the 10th anniversary 
of the matrix. It's actually the 11th, but we're saying the 10th. <laughs> it's, going to re, it's going to actually relaunch at TEDx Manhattan. Tom Colicchio is actually going to come out and introduce it, and it's going to relaunch. So it's the original film, the first film, with a new ending, which I have actually seen, and it's adorable. And it's something everyone should tune in to, to watch. Yes, I would highly recommend if you haven't seen the Matrix films, you can catch them at matrix.com, M-E-A-T-R-I-X. And they're so cleverly done, but yet they convey the very serious messages about what is really going on with factory farming, how it is that we're getting such cheap meat, how animals are treated, how the environment is affected. Very serious messages, but very palatable to watch because it's done in an entertaining and clever way. Okay, so let's now shift gears for a moment. And Diane, I'd like to ask you, since you've been a leader in this field for over 15 years and are in touch with issues confronting our food supply, what of the many things that are going on concerns you the most? I would say the biggest concern for me right now is consumer confusion. I think that the food movement has done a really good job letting people know that there's a problem with our food system. I think that most people understand something's wrong, but they don't know what to do. They're overwhelmed, and they, they just are confused. So I, that's something that people like I need to take on seriously and to find ways to not stress people out and to give them the tools and resources so they can learn and not have it be a chore. I mean, I think people need to remember is that food should be delicious, and that's the bottom line. And in order for it to be delicious, you need to have, like, a local, sustainable, healthy food system. Yes. Yeah, I know that when we were talking before to prepare for the show, uh, I referred to something that I call defensive eating because that's how I feel uh, you have to eat these days in terms of being so aware and so wary of what is in the food that you get in that box or if you go out to a restaurant. Uh, what exactly are the ingredients? Where did they come from? Is it genetically modified? Is it artificial and processed? And, you know, I find it very difficult to enjoy a meal if I don't really know what's in it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, having a meal which is fresh and local, uh, I find just that much more enjoyable, even if it is very simple, because I know that it is something which is going to nourish my body and, yeah. uh, you know, not, not be uh, extremely damaging. Well, one, one tip I would give people is if you're taking something out of a box, you might want to think twice. Yes, The food that we eat, people should look for unprocessed food, which is whole food, which is, you know, get broccoli, don't get something sealed in a box with ingredients you don't understand. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to just elaborate on your comment about consumer confusion a little bit, because I think that is very relevant when it comes to genetically modified organisms. Um, It's my understanding that the stuff in the boxes, the processed foods are 
80% of them contain genetically modified ingredients. And most consumers are not even aware of what GMOs are, that their safety has not been demonstrated in any long-term studies, and that over 60 countries have banned them. They were introduced in the food supply in the 80s and 90s, very quietly with no labeling. And so if you weren't really paying attention, you may not realize that all those corn-derived products and soy-derived products that are in your processed foods are genetically modified. I actually did a show on GMOs specifically on January 6th of this year. So if anyone wants to check this out some more, you can go ahead and listen to that show on demand. And I also bring this topic up with nearly every guest that I have on the show, and they've all expressed concerns about the health aspects of genetically modified organisms. And, and I'll continue delving into that topic. So, Diane, just, just to ask you as well, what do you think about GMOs? I am extremely concerned about them. Um, there has not been, as you said, there has not been any long-term studies to prove their safe, and that's because the company that um, originated it will not release the data needed to do these studies. I, I think that if 60 countries are going to ban something, that maybe we should look at it a little more seriously. So I can't come out and say they've been proven to be bad, but they haven't been studied. So I think bottom line, whether you agree with them or don't agree with them, they should be labeled. Consumers have the right to know what's in their food, and consumers have the right to choose what they want to put in their bodies. Now, I personally don't think GMO food is good for you, but professionally, I can't come out and give a scientific reason. But the labeling issue, I don't know how anyone can argue with it. And all these, these agribusiness companies that are supporting GMOs that have all these ingredients in their food are putting millions and millions and millions of dollars into ads to defeat initiatives to try to label food. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. And my understanding as to why we got to this point is because there is a lot of relationship between the agribusinesses like Monsanto and the FDA. And the FDA has decreed that natural and genetically modified foods are something called substantially equivalent. So basically, they just took a look at the basic nutrients in a genetically modified, say, corn and uh, natural corn, and they looked the same. So therefore, those foods are the same. Uh, but what we're learning is that these genetically modified foods, the proteins in these foods are actually very different. And uh, our bodies may not be reacting extremely well to these Franken proteins that are developed in these genetically modified foods. So, you know, the, the dysfunction here in our food system, which has allowed genetically modified ingredients to be introduced without labeling, it's, it, it indicates a lot of dysfunction and a lot of corporate interference with our agencies which are supposed to be protecting us. That's, that's yeah. my understanding of the situation. So um, the way that I closed the show that I did on the 6th about GMOs is that legislation would certainly be great. But if all of us make the decision that we are not 
going to consume genetically modified foods. We take measures to make sure we buy things which are non-GMO verified or organic that, you know, the money will not be there. And once the profit isn't there, then things will change. So certainly legislation will help that along, but we can also all band together and make the decision that this madness is going to stop. So I, I firmly believe that laws do not get passed these days unless there is a groundswell movement of yes. individuals or consumers who are pushing for it and essentially forcing government to do it. So I agree with you 100%. Um, the other thing I'd like to mention is a couple years ago, Gary Hirschberg, who founded Stonyfield, Stonyfield Yogurt, he spoke at TEDx Manhattan about labeling GMOs, and he has a phenomenal talk that's worth checking out because it is a huge issue, and the whole revolving door is what we call the revolving door aspect. There were people in companies who were working on genetic engineering who got jobs, I think at the FDA, I'm not positive, but they got jobs at government agencies, approved genetic engineering, and then went back to those companies and took their jobs back. I don't know how that can be allowed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's just an example of uh, extreme dysfunction, ex- dysfunction in our government agencies at this point. So that, you know, if you see that it's FDA approved, hmm, well, that doesn't yeah. mean, <laughs> that perhaps doesn't mean what it once did about the safety being verified. And yeah, I totally understand what you're saying about professionally not being able to come out and say that, you know, GMOs are dangerous and therefore avoid them. But the approach that I take is something called the precautionary principle that, you know, even if it isn't demonstrated to be dangerous beyond the shadow of a doubt, if it isn't demonstrated to be safe beyond the shadow of a doubt, then it shouldn't be introduced. So I think, I think that's where a lot of us are at right now as well, that we haven't been given the long-term safety data. So we can sit here and argue about, you know, how dangerous they may be, what they may be doing to our guts and food allergies and so on. The point is that we haven't been given the long-term safety data. And so until that is done, um, they need to be rejected. And if you need to look, if you you look at not just health, but at what's happening um, with farmers and land, super weeds, you know, these GMOs were invented so less pesticides would be put on crops. And that's a large reason they started with, with Roundup. And now farmers are putting more pesticides on and super weeds have developed that can't be killed. So it's like we're destroying our environment even faster now. It's horrible. Correct. Correct. Yeah, there are a lot of issues here. Okay. And on that note, we are going to get ready for our final break. This is Sandra Malhotra with Generation Regeneration, and we are talking with Diane Hatz about changing the way we eat. We covered a lot in the first three segments, and we'll summarize and wrap up this discussion on the other side. Stay tuned. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A new health and wellness community is coming in 2015 called HoldTreatment.com. As a practitioner, you can increase your visibility by creating a detailed profile, posting blogs, advertising online and live events, and accepting online appointments. 
As a client, you can learn about holistic healing modalities, research practitioners to find the best one for you, and conveniently book online appointments, all for free. We aspire to change the way healthcare is practiced, and together, we can do it. Visit whole-treatment.com to find out more. GMOs, or genetically modified organisms, are plants or animals that have been genetically engineered with DNA from bacteria, viruses, or other plants and animals. These experimental combinations of genes from different species cannot occur in nature or in traditional crossbreeding. Most developed nations do not consider GMOs to be safe. Right now, over 80% of the corn and soy grown in the U.S. is genetically modified, and we should be able to choose whether we wish to consume these foods or not. Visit non-gmoproject.org forward slash learn dash more. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. To connect with Sandra, send an email to Sandra Malhotra at wcubedcommunity.com or tweet at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenR. She looks forward to your comments. Now back to Generation Regeneration. And welcome back. I'm your host, Sandra Malhotra. And we covered a lot of ground in the first three segments with Diane Hatz from Change Food. We'll hit a couple more points here in the final segment, and then we will summarize and leave you with some recommendations. So one of the final new topics I'd like to bring up, Diane, is the other organizations that you're working with. Change Food is doing amazing work, and I know I'm so appreciative of what you're doing, and so are many other organizations. Can you introduce us to some others that you're working with and that are also working on our behalf? Sure. So I personally love the work that Food Day, Chef Collaborative, and Food Tank are doing. Um, Food Tank, I mentioned briefly earlier, Danny Nirenberg is speaking at the event. Chef Collaborative is now run by Sarah Brito, and that, they are a group of chefs around the country that is committed to using local sustainable food. They're an amazing network. And then Food Day is an event that happens every October, and I don't remember how many, like I think over 10,000, tens of thousands of groups put on events celebrating food. So Food Day is run by Lilia, Chef Collaborative Sarah, Food Tank Danielle, so the four of us are committed to doing something together. We really feel that that we need to start working together and collaborating, and that way we can have a bigger voice. Um, I also think Jamie Oliver and his Food Foundation have done fantastic work to educate people people about whole food and what we need to to do to eat healthier. And then one of the newer groups is called Food Policy Action. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know why I'm mentioning Tom Colicchio so much today, but it was founded by Tom Clicchio and Kennedy Cook. I think with Tom, he's becoming one of my heroes because five years ago, I was like, I is just a chef. Well, he's not just a chef. He is so committed to ending hunger and changing the food system, and nothing is going to stop him. It's very um, passionate. So, very passionate. So food policy action, what they do is they're basically a D.C. watchdog group. They're a 501c4. So they're not like a 501c3, so they, they can do political stuff. They have a scorecard, and they're looking at everyone in Congress and how they vote around food issues. 
And then what they're doing is they're targeting people who have bad policies, bad food policies, and they're trying to get them out of office. And they just had their first success and got their first person out. So they are becoming a very powerful force in D.C., which is very, very good. It's, it's, it's long overdue. There's also Food and Water Watch. They're, in the, they're another watchdog group. Um, anything you want to know wrong with factory farming and water, Food and Water Watch is the organization to go to. I mean, I could go on forever. There are so many, so many great organizations out there. Yeah, and I think many of them are working on our behalf in ways that go just beyond food and water because these things also have a profound effect on our overall health. And yeah. so if you also want to address you know, the chronic disease, food allergies, and many other things that are going on with our health in this country, going back and fixing the food supply is a, a major part of that because I know a lot of the big disease organizations they don't tend to focus on this. And I think that's a big mistake. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you want to deal with health, uh, food, environment, these organizations are addressing all of those things. And maybe what we could do is say the names a little more slowly and maybe websites. So the one you mentioned is Food Bay that you're working with. Food Bay, which is that food, F-O-O-D, Day, D-A-Y dot org. It's okay. from the Center for Science and the Public Interest. It's yeah. that's uh, every October. Um, people all around the country get together and have meals, demonstrations. It's a, it's a fantastic way to celebrate food. They're now branching out, and they're going to be a year-long event. Chefs Collaborative is the next one, and that's chefscollaborative.org. Um, that is a, a network of chefs around the country who work on sustainable food. One of their big things, for example, has been um, educating people about, they call it trash fish. So all those invasive species of fish that everyone thinks like you can't eat, they found a way to cook it and serve it. So they, they work on like great sustainable issues, nose to tail. So they look at how to eat every part of an animal and not waste any of it. Um, food tank was the other one. Food tank is actually tomorrow... And the 22nd, so January 21st and 22nd, they are having a summit in D.C. with George Washington University. I'm, I'm sure if you go to foodtank.org, you can find more information about it. They will be live streaming it. Yes. Yeah, I follow Food Tank on various social media sites. They're also very good about uh, educating and promoting their events on social media. So, yeah, uh, yeah if, if any of the listeners want to find out more about these, find their websites, and they probably have links to their social media on there. You can follow them that way, and you could just become more involved in everything that they are doing. Um, now, yeah, we have about yeah five minutes left, so... In the few minutes that we have remaining, I'd also like to get your perspective on how things have changed now that you've been involved in sustainable food and farming for about the past 15 years. What have some of our big wins been in this regard? I think one of the biggest changes is the increase in farmer's markets. Um, in 2000, we had just under 2,900 markets. So in 2013, we had over 8,000. That's an increase of 5,000 markets in 13 years. That's amazing. It's amazing. 
Um, another big win is that a lot of people now know there's something wrong with our food system. The next step is obviously to educate them and give them easy, understandable ways to to solve the problems of the food system. But just the fact that people are aware from all different issues, from health to the environment, planet, to everything. Um, you know, positive changes. Look at stadiums and institutions. I mean, I know it's just starting, but I was at the Barclays Center, which is like a 20,000-seat venue that has basketball and sports. They have a gluten-free stand. I was at Madison Square Garden. They had sushi. I mean, that kind of food was not available 15 years ago. So there's a trend toward better food at hospitals, schools, you know, the salad bars coming back to schools, the movement to bring cafeterias with kitchens. When kitchens were removed from cafeterias and schools, there's a move to bring kitchens back. Um, look at fast food outlets. I don't eat fast food. I will eat it at Chipotle because they source sustainably. Carl Jr. has just started selling grass-fed burgers. White Castle has even introduced a veggie slider. I'm not saying that's great, but it's indicative of where we've come, um, which is fantastic. And the one yeah. thing I... Yeah, and just one thing I want to stress, this is not a fad. This is not a fad. This is a change. And yes. millennials are driving the permanent change. I think it's, it's, it's baby boomers and Gen Xs and millennials have, have created this change. But millennials are the ones who will shop at more than one place, who will pay more for better food, who want to know where their food comes from. I mean, they really do care about their food system, and they are the growing economic base in the country. Yes. Yeah. Those are really great examples. Yeah. And I was just going to interject that I about fell over when I saw that Carl's Jr. commercial. I know. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, yes, this is awesome. I mean, because, you know, once, th once things start getting to that level, then you know that the corporations are listening. So that's great. And okay, on a final note, and we have about one minute left here, uh, what are some simple things that people can do who are very busy juggling jobs and families? What can they do to make a positive change here in our food supply? First, just start small. Don't stress out. Start small. Make the commitment to want to change. That's the biggest step. Second thing, change one thing at a time. Don't tackle everything at once. I tell new parents, milk. If you can't find organic, look for RVGH free. Google RVGH and learn about it if you don't know what it is. It's a genetically engineered hormone. It's not good. It's not good for the cows. Not good. I can't say professionally it's not good for us, but I don't think it's good for us. So Google it and try to find those. And just do that when, you, when you're comfortable with that. Buy a green thing from the farmer's market. You know, try small, small, small steps. They will lead to huge change in a very short time. That's, that's great advice. Yeah, and on that note, that's all the time we have for today. Diane, thank you so much for all of the great information you gave us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sandra. I really enjoyed my time. Great. And next week, our guest will be Bava Ram, someone who made remarkable changes in his life as described in his memoir, Warrior Pose. Bava was a war correspondent whose health declined dramatically. And he 
was able to cure himself using the spiritual sciences of yoga and Ayurveda. So that'll be a very interesting story. I'm really looking forward to, jo- to talking to him, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, let's move the phone over to Twitter, at Sandra G. Malhotra, hashtag WeAreGenor. And thank you again, Diane, and namaste. Thank you for tuning in to Generation Regeneration with Sandra Guy Malhotra. Please join us again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. In the coming week, think of the changes that you could make to regenerate your body, mind, and spirit. We'll be right back.